Tell us your name. My last name is Lee, Bruce Lee. We just hit a certain moment in history where people were looking for that kind of hero. The truth, in fact, is we were just at the cusp of that fame when he passed away. We're really getting into this guy, and all of a sudden he's gone. The next question is, can we find another Bruce Lee? We want Bruce Lee's movie. Impossible. He died. Yeah, but we still want Bruce Lee's movie, man. They would go to people in the martial arts schools, the gymnasiums and so forth. Hey, anybody look like Bruce Lee? Uh, anybody who's good? I didn't know at the time he was a real person because I'd see other people playing Bruce Lee. And they give name called Bruce Lee. Me? He's playing Bruce Lee. I looked at him and said, well, if I really stretch my imagination a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Dragon Lee, who is this Bruce Lee times 10, this gigantic muscular guy. You are the famous Bruce. Yes, I'm Bruce. Hello. Joining me on Moving Radio today is a guest that's going to have their film as part of the Calgary Underground Film Festival Documentary Fest. It's called Cuff Docs. And uh, the film in question that we're talking about is called Enter the Clones of Bruce. Uh, if you're like me, you saw the trailer of this online uh, many weeks ago and got very excited. So when this opportunity popped up to speak with director David Gregory, I jumped on it immediately. You can catch Enter the Clones of Bruce on Friday, November 24th at 9.15 p.m. And it's at the Globe Cinema, as are all the screenings for Cuff Docs. And here it is, people. It's the Alberta premiere, so you want to make sure you catch it. David, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Oh, very excited to have you. Uh, not only because you've got a great resume as a director, but uh, this film in itself also is fantastic, too. Uh, I just want to let the people know that we are talking to you. I guess, is this from the home of Seven Films? Is this, that is, this is from our head office, yes. And, you know, I follow you guys yeah, on Instagram and, and buy your stuff shamelessly. And let me tell you, David is surrounded by a plethora of fantastic oddities of cinema. Uh, it is, it's too much. It's, it, it made my brain kind of explode a little bit when it popped up on zoom here. So, so, uh, thanks for having a good background. It's much more exciting than my dank office with very bad lighting. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I, it kind of looks like an expanded version of my teenage bedroom. Actually, it's all the, the VHSs that I was collecting in England, uh, back then, <laughs> uh, which is, I kind of picked up that habit again and it's much more expensive now, but Hey. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you had all the nasties. I'm sure you yeah, had. Yeah, exactly. And they're all living right here behind me now. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, David, let's get to the film, Enter the Clones of Bruce. Uh, we're going to set up the audience that doesn't know exactly what's going on here. But this starts with Bruce Lee. The film itself is kind of about Bruce. It's, but not at the same time, because it really lives a little bit of an introduction to his life very quickly for anybody who's uninitiated for whatever reason at the beginning of the film and moves quickly into the death of Bruce Lee. And what gets even a little bit more bizarre is the filming behind it. And I guess that's the idea of where Bruce exploitation and the impetus for this film starts. So why don't we give the audience a bit of a uh, an idea of what the appetite was for Bruce Lee at that time of his death and how it transitioned into this idea of what, you know, was kind of exploiting the image and uh, the fighting style of Bruce Lee. Yeah. So basically Bruce Lee 
died before his biggest hit came out. He had only completed four movies in his lifetime. And Enter the Dragon was the biggest of those four movies. It was a Hollywood studio picture and they were going to introduce Bruce the Star and martial arts to a Western audience. And he died. Their biggest star, the biggest uh, export of this uh, new subgenre, relatively new, certainly to Western audiences, subgenre of uh, Kung Fu movies. And so here there was all of a sudden this massive appetite for this new uh, subgenre in action cinema and the biggest star was gone. And so basically to fill that void, a bunch of entrepreneurial producers and distributors set about making essentially fake Bruce Lee movies uh, upon his death. I mean, they started with biopics, which were very loose on the facts biopics, and then they moved on to sequels and prequels to his uh, four movies, and then they got even stranger. They just, uh, there was a series of Bruce clones, we call them, uh, with names like Bruce Lai and Bruce Lay and Dragon Lee, who essentially starred in lots and lots of these movies in a very short period of time. And so Bruce Lai would be starring in things like Bruce Lee in New Guinea, where he was uh, where he was fighting a snake clan or he was fighting people dressed up in gorilla suits or or in one of them, uh, Bruce Lee is in uh, the afterlife and he has to fight uh, or, or team up with the likes of Popeye and James Bond and Emmanuel and Dracula. And so these films got really wild and wonderful and there's hundreds of them. I mean, basically some of them weren't, didn't even have a Bruce clone in them. They just were marketed as if Bruce Lee was somehow connected to this movie. Such was the appetite of these films. That's pretty incredible for anybody kind of listening contextually or like, well, we know about the the image of Bruce that has been co-opted and used in so many different ways. And maybe we're all familiar with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and lots of news around that. But the fact that you tell me there was hundreds of films mm-hmm. that were go beyond just the clones is incredible. Well, you gave us a little taste of some of, you know, the uh, the sons of Bruce, the children of Bruce, the illegitimate children of Bruce. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> Why don't we get into a little bit of each one of those people because they are the subjects of the film without obviously giving too much away, but letting the audience know about each one of those men that that kind of uh, became uh, a Bruce Carbon copy. Well, that's, that was kind of the impetus for making the movie for me. When I was uh, a youth and I first saw Enter the Dragon, I was blown away like many people were, you know, when it first came out. I'm, I'm a bit young, too young to have seen it when it first came out. I went back home, went to the video shop, went to the Kung Fu section. A lot of video shops had a Kung Fu or martial arts section uh, to find more Bruce Lee movies. And there were lots of them. And so it dawned on me very soon after I started renting these films that uh, Bruce Lee wasn't actually in them in a lot of cases. So I kind of forgot about it as time went on. And then uh, we released on my label, we released a trailer compilation of Kung Fu movies. And when we were doing the commentary for that, there was an expert on Bruce Bloitation called Michael Worth. And that reminded me. And then all of a sudden I started doing some research and trying to find out information about what became of Bruce Lai and Bruce Lay and these various people who who were renamed to to give these uh, to give the impression that they were sort of Bruce Lee adjacent. And there wasn't that much information 
about them. There was reviews of the films and people talking about the subgenre, but not that much firsthand information from the making of these movies. And that was really how it all began. And I, I said to Michael, let's go to Hong Kong. We got Frank Jeng and Vivian Wong involved here who could, uh, who were um, Hong Kong natives, uh, but living here in California. And they kind of set about coordinating and trying to track down the various people, principally the Bruce clones themselves, uh, who were all still alive, but 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 spread around and not necessarily in the film industry anymore, and persuaded them, uh, you know, to talk about this. And there was some reluctance at first. They're like, "Are you going to make fun of us?" Uh, they weren't particularly proud having made their livings as Bruce clones in these movies because they all had huge, huge admiration for Bruce Lee. But I also wanted the producers and the distributors and the people who really kind of cooked up these these wild ideas for for essentially tricking audiences into thinking that they were watching a Bruce Lee movie. And so and so basically to talk about the Bruce's themselves, I mean, basically, Bruce Lai is the first one that uh, and the main one, the one that people uh, people seem to admire the most for the for making some of the kind of uh, better incarnations of these Bruce exploitation movies. He also made some of the worst. So it wasn't like it wasn't like he was a purist on the on the projects that he he took. But Bruce Lai was in Taiwan. He's basically retired now uh, as, as an actor or a performer and is uh, does orthopedic medicine now because his body is active, started acting up as he got older from all the work that he'd done in this field. And he was, you know, a very humble guy now teaches uh, martial arts in in for free to to kids who anyone who wants to learn martial arts from Bruce Lai they just have to meet him in the park in this part of Taiwan and he will teach them for for no money because he thinks that martial arts is you know a special skill that should not be uh, should not be forgotten so he was kind of the the main one and he's kind of the main story arc of of the documentary then there's uh, dragon lee who was in south korea he now kind of is high up in the korean incarnation of sag basically their equivalent of the screen actors guild he 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 works there we went to interview him at his office there and again he was quite skeptical when we when we came by and he's like what exactly are you doing here are you here to kind of make fun of me sort of thing but once michael worth busted out all his posters and ephemera to get it signed he was like oh you guys are like genuinely into this stuff <laughs> so uh, so then he kind of loosened up and told us his story which again he had no intention of being an actor he was just you know discovered as somebody who was very muscular and fit and they even though he looks nothing like Bruce Lee the producers were like eh, as far as westerners are concerned we can you know cut your hair and you're looking up like him it's fine um and then Bruce Lee is the one who was in more of these movies than anyone uh slightly younger than the others uh but still making films in the late 70s uh he 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 traveled all over the world he's the one who was probably the most uh, qualified as a martial artist you know he won competitions and and things like that but also produced and directed some of these movies as well he he was the one who who basically was like you can call me whatever you want as long as you pay me so he didn't have any kind of shame about it whatsoever he but he did uh, you know truly admire bruce lee so he wanted it to, he wanted to be as much like him as possible in in these movies we're speaking on moving radio today all about the film enter the clones of bruce it's a documentary directed by david gregory all about uh, pretty much what's in the title, The Clones of Bruce Lee. If you didn't know it, uh, there are many of them after his death, and uh, it is far-flung 
from the ideas of just trying to copycat him to having ridiculous ideas of him fighting you know, insane gorilla suits, as you said before. Uh, you can see it on Friday, November 24th at 9.15 p.m. at the Globe Cinema. It's the Alberta premiere, but also, too, because it's on Severn Video, you'll be able to find that release and put it in your hot little hands, I'm sure, at some point in your life if you still love the physical media and also stream later. David, so, you know, with this film, it's – and this isn't your first time doing something like this where you're going into a lot of archival footage and trying to put it together. But this is – I feel like this isn't just the subject of, like, one film or even a franchise, you're looking at like hundreds, like you said, of films. Did you find that to be a very daunting process to understand like what what I'm going to pick and choose? Or are you like, there's such a plethora of stuff here that I'm just going to try and scattershot as much of it as I possibly can. So people get, you know, the best idea of the entire idea, like the entire spectrum of these Bruce Blitzstation movies. Or did you kind of be like, I need to focus it in a little bit more? Well, that it really was a challenge for me as as a documentary filmmaker, and I've made many documentaries about filmmaking and 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 filmmakers and subgenres and and things like that. But um, usually, there's a pretty natural story arc, like the Al Adamson story is pretty much biographical. You know, this story of the making of the Island of Doctor Moreau is is that it's like it it's got a beginning, middle, and end that is very clear. This one, there's a lot of smaller stories inside the bigger story like the the bios of the various bruces all uh, four of the key bruces have kind of like a story arc within the story uh, and then we had to start it telling the bruce lee story because you'd be surprised how few people actually know certain details about bruce lee i mean people obviously know what he looks like now and they they know that he was in martial arts movies and they know that he's dead but they don't necessarily know certain details that were very important to the exploitation factor of uh, uh, of the Bruce exploitation movies, you know. So we had to kind of give like a preamble, a pre-title sequence, which tells the Bruce Lee story. Um, so there was things like that. And coupled with the fact that it was in many languages that I don't speak, Mandarin, Cantonese, Japanese, Korean, German. There's a bit of German. There's a bit of French in there as well and English too. But um that also made it extremely daunting. So doing the uh, doing the just the first assembly edit, which I think was about four hours, uh, mainly it was done by an editor in Hong Kong from the translations and transcriptions that I had. I did the paper edit from that and uh, and and kind of built it that way. But yeah, it was definitely something that that to actually find that full story arc of the of the of the film was uh, was certainly a lot more complicated than my previous films and it did actually take about six over six years from when we shot the first set of interviews to when we actually premiered it so uh, tell us a little bit about that daunting task of of going through editing because you already have hundreds of hours of you know interview footage that maybe at some point too you also you know got to translate like the logistics of putting together this puzzle must have been very intense so Talk just a little bit about how you weed through all the interview footage and all that amazing film footage that you have and try to piece that together in a, in a tight 90 minutes. That has to be, you know, one of these insane like 7,000 piece puzzles with the tiniest pieces ever that's going to take you three years to put together. That's right. Well, after I did the first assembly with the with the Hong Kong editor, then it was up to me and Douglas Buck, 
who is based in Montreal, he and I worked together the same way that we did on, on Lost Soul, the Island of Dr. Moreau documentary. And, um, and basically we would go back and forth with each other, trying to hone it down and rein it in and keep it exciting. I mean, it is essentially a film about action movies. So we wanted to keep a certain pace going in the film as well. So it's a lot of information that we had to cram into there. I also didn't want it to be, you know, a three hour documentary like the the, the folk horror documentary I produced. It's because, you know, that really does have sprawling chapters, you know, which, which really need kind of a proper in-depth investigation. What I didn't want to do is lose people's interest because there is a similarities and parallels between the various stories within the story. So again, it just it was a matter of kind of tackling it down. Thankfully, you know, there's plenty of exciting clips from these movies to keep things, you know, interesting for the eye. And uh, and and obviously all the interviewees, the, the ones in front of camera, certainly, you know, we've got the footage of them on set and fighting and and doing various things to like wipe it, uh, wiping the nose, the, the Bruce famous Bruce Lee move, stuff like that, that we can actually illustrate to keep it so it's not just talking heads, the whole thing. Well, I definitely think you avoided that too completely. And what the beautiful part is, is that, you know, your focus has so much action that it becomes incredibly dynamic as well. And and it's all over the place. So I, I really love the fact that, you know, you took me into this world that I only knew a little bit about from the outside of just knowing who Bruce Lee was. And you showed me this entire other portal that, that I could have gone through in order to find out more about that extension of him. Uh, were there things even for yourself, even though, you know, you knew about it, that you found out that you were kind of like, whoa, this this is a surprise. Or you're like, oh, my God, I had no idea we were going to discover this. And this is for sure going to the dock. Was there any of those happy surprises that you were very excited to be able to put into this film? There was actually a huge amount of them because uh, because unlike my previous documentaries, I only had a superficial knowledge of this subgenre when I started it. So it was actually a bit of a voyage of discovery for me as well while we were while we were shooting it. As I say, there wasn't much information in the English language about the production of these films, nor uh, nor from the Bruces themselves. You know, so I really wanted to know. I wanted to know how they felt about this. I wanted to know how they got away with it. Uh, and, you know, we go to distributors in France where this genre is very popular as well and also in Germany and uh, and, and to find out the, the the different approaches they had and, and the audacity they had to actually get away with uh, with what they did uh, in order to, to do this. I mean, you couldn't get away with it now for a number of reasons. One, uh, you know, if you were trying to pass yourself off of this is a Bruce Lee movie, you just wouldn't get away with it in the same way. I mean, the the. The Golden Harvest, the company that owned his movies, did did try to fight this stuff. But as one of the executives from Golden Harvest says in the film, it's you know there's a you, you Bruce Lai is not the same as Bruce Lee. So basically, and, and if you're not actually saying it's Bruce Lee in the film, then you know there's precious little they can do. But on the posters and on the marquees of cinemas and things like that, they would absolutely do that. But by the time that they, they anybody had come after them, that film had moved on to its uh, to its next date so you could get away with things like that back then and I think um I think also, you know, the fact that there wasn't that there wasn't the Internet. So people didn't just immediately know what Bruce Lee looked like because he was 
dead before he'd uh, you know done any massive inter- amount of interviews or or publicity on television or or anything like that so basically the fact that these guys didn't really look like bruce lee you know they were kind of relying on a sort of general uh, uh, um you know racist idea that that basically they were like the westerners aren't going to be able to tell the difference as long as we put the uh, put the, the the right haircut on him and the sunglasses and things like that we can get away with it we're speaking on Moving Radio today with director David Gregory, although he's many more things as well. Producer, also associated with Seven Video. Enter the Clones of Bruce is the film that we're talking about. It's a documentary about the clones of Bruce Lee. And you can see it at part of Cuff Docs on Friday, November 24th at 9.15 p.m. at the Globe Cinema. It will be the Alberta premiere. For yourself, is, am I right? That was one of the first things you directed was that Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of like behind the scenes look. And then probably when something really landed for me was a couple different things that you had done was Lost Soul, which you've already mentioned before. Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, my God, that movie's so good. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, please, people, check it out. And then Blood and Flesh, the real life and ghastly death of Al Adamson. You know, in this trajectory of doing these documentary films that you like to direct about, you know, cinema that either you grew up with or familiar with or know that work within the genre for you, how do you think you've kind of grown as that documentary filmmaker of going back from your first project and leading up to the clones, uh, Enter the Clones of Bruce? You know, when I look back at the the Chainsaw documentary now, it is very rough around the edges. That kind of works in its favor because it's about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which part of its beauty is how rough around the edges it is. But certainly, you know, there are decisions I made as when when I was young that I probably wouldn't do now. And obviously, I would try to work with a decent camera and, uh, uh, you know, maybe lights, <laughs> stuff like that, that I didn't have when I made Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Shocking Truth. Um, luckily, the, all the subjects in that documentary and the subject itself of the film, there's enough great stories there that it actually you know it still plays well enough as a documentary because there's just such uh, great behind the scenes stories with that film in the interim i made lots and lots of documentary and documentary shorts for bonus features essentially for for various uh, dvds and then blu-rays for a number of companies over the years including uh, my own Severin films, but for other com- companies as well. So I got better at interviewing people, I think, and uh, and I also st- I also realized that certain subjects just aren't worthy of a, a documentary on on their own. You know, some are just bonus features. That's the way that it is expected now that these are kind of free bonuses on on a disc. So a story really has to uh, be able to break out of that mold in order for it to be a feature film. And all of the the documentaries um, that feature documentaries that that we've done that are standalone documentaries Al Adamson Lost Soul uh, the folk horror documentary Woodland Stark and Days Bewitch they all started out as bonus features but they it was like one of the early interviews where it was like oh wow this is definitely a story that needs to be we need to dig deeper into this story and actually make it into its own film. And I think that there's something substantial in that story where where, where you're like, okay, I want to talk to all the players in this. I want to find out more about this story. And if that's the way it's seeming to me, then, you know, the hope is that, 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 uh, that the viewers will think the same. 
Uh, hopefully we're not taking up too much of your time here because I know I started a little bit late, David, but I do kind of want to get into seven films as well because not only was I excited just to talk to you about Enter the Clones of Bruce and and maybe some of the other stuff that you have, but I think one of the important things that we should tell people about that are uninitiated is what exactly, you know, is is Severn Video first off and maybe why you started it and and how this is like basically an extension of of your passion about cinema. It's not necessarily like, you know, yeah, you want to make money, but it's not just about moving units and trying to shove them into houses. Like you're resurrecting, you know, cinema that that could be lost or would have died without a company like yours and some of the other ones that are out there. So talk to us a little bit about those humble beginnings of Severin and why you started it and and why you're passionate about it still. I was working for a video distributor since uh, since I was in high school. I mean, I, I basically, it started because I, I wanted to collect banned videos because a lot of films were banned in England in the 80s. And I would go around to video shops with with my close friend, who is now my partner in, uh, in Severin Films, um, Carl Daft. And we would go around to the video shops and say, hey, what you got in the back room and, uh, and, and, and collect those. So then uh, because all those films were banned in England, we, there was also a network of people through fanzines and uh, and and horror conventions or horror um, all night shows and things like that that we would all talk and write letters to each other and speak on the phone and basically trade tapes up and down the country and that's how it went beyond just the banned films it went finding went to finding obscure stuff from around the world that you never would have heard of in any other way and there were there was this network of people who wanted to find the the underground essentially of 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 cinema that that, that you know you wouldn't see on the BBC or or at the local cinema in England. So so basically that's really where the embryo of uh, of Severin began. I subsequently went to work for Bill Lustig at, in, at Anchor Bay Entertainment and then Blue Underground. So therefore, and he's a, a director in his own right of films like Maniac and the Maniac Cop trilogy and and that's when i really kind of learned about restoration and uh uh and picking up rights and uh, um you know and finding out where where kind of the bodies were buried so to speak on on uh, on on these obscure films particularly in europe he would send me to europe to interview dario argento or jess franco which obviously was a, a dream job for me uh but also then i would meet with the licensors who had the various films and they would have deep catalogs of stuff that they hadn't dusted off in years and so we would do a certain amount of archaeology on the movies themselves. Oh, this one looks interesting. I've never heard of this, you know, and then do a bit of research. Yep, this will fit the bill and license the film. And then, uh, you know, so I just started my own label in 2006, which is Severin Films. And then uh, and now uh, I, I don't even know how many movies we've got, but it's, but it's definitely over 200 and counting. I mean, we're licensing more stuff all the time. And basically it's about trying to find the films that we find interesting, you know, the stuff that isn't um, necessarily the, the stuff that Criterion will be doing or the, or the major studios will be doing, uh, you know, with uh, us and other boutique labels like Blue Underground and Vinegar Syndrome and Mondo Macabre. I mean, we we really like to to unearth gems that haven't been out for a while or at all in the US and and kind of introduce them in the best possible way with the context of the extras and things like that and really make special editions of of these kinds of films. I mean there's this higher end stuff that people might have heard of like Dario Argento movies or or The Changeling or or um Threads or The Wild Geese, you know, stuff like that, but then there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that 
most people won't even have heard of. But I, I like to think we've got to a point now that the Severin audience has a certain amount of trust in in what we're curating over here so that they'll uh, they'll they'll you know, they'll take a look at it and say, mm, that sounds interesting. I'm going to give it a punt. Absolutely. I mean, you've done such a fantastic job over there with you and your team that I know for me and just kind of falling from a distance and then talking to you for the first time. I was like, the, you know, the the love that you have is genuine. It comes through every release and and just the kind of care that you take in each one of those projects uh, really shines. It makes, you know, having those films, not just having the film, uh, it's an extension of the experience of it. And in some ways, it's incredibly deep. So I applaud you for that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny that, uh, that that so at the time when I sort of got into it and started doing the extras, the extras was the thing I was I was I was concentrating on for the most part for for other labels because I really liked hearing uh, the, these kind of trenches of low budget exploitation filmmaking stories and there really wasn't that much of it about in the late 90s and early 2000s now i think there's more about these kinds of movies than there is about fellini and bergman and and, and hitchcock and and all these people because uh, they they the the craziness the of uh, that the mania of of horror film fans is such that we want everything we want every person who was on the set you know we want to hear every detail about the making of these movies and luckily you know people are still alive who was who were were making these films and they're they're willing to tell the stories of making them so that's that's something that i'm still very passionate about in addition to you know presenting the films in the best possible way that we can yeah i think the death of physical media has been greatly exaggerated uh in many different ways yeah. and uh you know your company is is proof of that and excellent films like enter the clones of bruce which you can catch at cuff docs on Friday, November 24th at 9.15 p.m. Uh, if you want to know more information about it, I suggest you go to the Cuff website. That's the Calgary Underground Film Festival website. Or, of course, you can also check out Seven Films as well. Maybe let's just let people know who are either uninitiated or maybe you're hearing about this company for the first time. Uh, how can they find out more about Enter the Clones, but also as well the plethora of amazing cinema that you have to offer up people? The best way is to follow Severin Films on on social media, on on Facebook um, and on Instagram, and also our website severinfilms.com. Uh, twice a year we have a a big sale, uh, so where, where we drop a bunch of new titles, but also the back catalog is fifty uh, percent off. So we have one of those coming up on on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, and it'll be running through the weekend. And we've got nine new titles dropping, including. Including Michele Suave's amazing Cemetery Man, aka Delamorte Delamore, and eight other titles. But that's if you want to kind of dip your toe into the into the weird and wonderful world of the films that Severin Films does. That's the best time to just go in and take a chance because the movies are fifty percent off from the from the back catalogue. Check them out any time of year. But I know uh, I've you've already piqued my interest on Instagram. I believe there's uh, which the Argento film that you just released today. I saw the trailer. I was like. Oh no! I'm like yeah. Well, so that would be the church, but it's not. It's yeah. not directed by Dario Argento. It's when Dario did a did a few Dario Argento presents in yeah. the in the 80s and 90s, and he's he uh, Michele Suave was kind of one of his proteges and and often considered the last great uh, Italian horror filmmaker. So he made The Church, The Sect, and Della Morte, Della More, all three of which will be dropping UHD's 4K restorations of in uh, uh, later this month. 
Fantastic. Well, you know, we could uh, we could go on, but I don't want to waste your time anymore, David. I really appreciate the time. The film is Enter the Clones of Bruce. Uh, you want to check out this documentary, even if you're just a a passive Bruce Lee fan, somebody who like has a passing knowledge of him. Uh, you want to check this out, not because it's just about Bruce. It's about the world that surrounds him. And that's the power of a figure like that within film and a person that had that kind of monumental influence. And the film is fantastic, uh, informative, hilarious, and just, it's a great time. Catch it at Cuff Docs on Friday, November 24th at 9.15 p.m. at the Globe Cinema. It's the Alberta premiere. David, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thank you.